everyone, and welcome to Keeping Them Safe. This is Sharon Doty, here to provide you with an avenue, an access, a gateway to a whole new approach to creating safe environments and protecting our children from sexual predators. You know, it's interesting to me, nobody wants to talk about this, but everybody wants to be an expert at it. There is no person that I've ever spoken to that wasn't entirely on board with creating environments where children could not be solicited by adults and used for their own sexual purposes. Keeping them safe is about exactly that. It is about giving us tools, giving us access, giving us avenues for identifying people in our environment that are interacting with our children and young people that are a risk to them, and then finding ways to interrupt what could be a grooming process, to interrupt behaviors that indicate that someone is a potential risk of harm to children. Our podcast is not about pointing fingers or naming names or even identifying predators What we're here to do is to educate each and every one of us about how to recognize the potentially risky behaviors that adults exhibit interacting with our children and young people, and then to give us some tools for interrupting those behaviors in a way that simply stops the potential risk from going forward. What we ultimately want is for no child to ever have to recover from being sexually abused because they never got harmed before. One of the challenges we face uh, as parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, as people who um, support and care about young people, one of the biggest challenges we face today is the risk of online interactions with our kids, and particularly um, with adolescents. So today and and in our next episode, we're going to talk about some of those things that might help us impact that world and some of those things that might help us understand it better so that we can see ways that we can interact with our children and young people to keep them safe and to still give them the opportunity to interact with others online and to provide for them the social support that is being experienced by them in their interactions with people online. Although most of us are not social scientists, most of us are just folks trying to create safe environments to protect our children, sometimes it's valuable to know what researchers have discovered in their surveys of our kids. Sometimes it's valuable to know what they hear from kids, and particularly our teenagers and adolescents, that they don't normally say to us. And one of the leading experts in uh, child sexual abuse prevention in the world is Dr. David Finkelhor, and he did some recent research uh, just a few years ago in which he found that about one in six adolescents is sexually harassed every year.
One in six. Look around your house. There might be six kids in your house that weren't growing up in mine. One in six of them is sexually harassed every year. And you know what? The other part of that for each and every one of us is that it's almost impossible these days to ignore the almost daily media accounts of bullying by peers and victimization among adolescents. And these incidents that we're hearing about occur both in person and online. And given the pervasive presence of the internet and social media in the lives of adolescents, these researchers conducted a study that can be of real value to us. It can be a real value to parents, aunts and uncles and grandparents, as we encourage and support adolescents who are navigating the minefield that is growing up in today's society. You know, when we grew up, most of what our kids are dealing with didn't exist. Now, they will have something different in their experience to bring to their children, but we don't have the same kind of experience they do. I was speaking with someone the other day about this, and we were talking about the fact that there's this history we have of only finding out things on news media. I mean, you know, I went to movies on the weekend and there was a newsreel <laughs> and the newsreel told us what was happening in the world. Um, there was weekly news and daily news. And eventually when I was young, there was television and then there were news shows every day. But these young people today are being inundated with news every few seconds, every few seconds. I, I get a couple of notices from news services on my email several times a day. Several times a day, I'm getting something on my email that tells me usually something terrible happening in the world. So what we're dealing with today are young people who are navigating a whole new world of media, of interactions, a whole new world of contact with others in their environment, and they're not necessarily next door. So, um, so we looked at this study that Dr. Finkelhor did and began to look to consider what is the reality that our young people are dealing with? What is the reality of their life? You know, to us, it seems obvious that support from friends that you can see and spend time with per, in person would make a real difference in an adolescent's risk of victimization. Look, how much time do you spend talking to your kids about get off their phones? And then how much time do you spend on your phones? <laughs> it's We're not particularly modeling good behavior in that regard, but nevertheless, we really understand that our children and young people stuck in an online world are at risk of being victimized in that world. So this new study looked at whether having friends that you shared time, interest, and space with in person 
had any real measurable impact on the odds of an adolescent being victimized by bullying or sexual assault. In other words, does spending time with people face-to-face, sharing activities with them, going places with them, talking to them face-to-face, does that help prevent bullying or sexual assault? And there were some really interesting discoveries in the study that can inform us as parents and adults who care about and interact with adolescents as we continue to work to protect them from abuse and to support them into developing into healthy, happy, functioning adults. First among these is that the adolescent's view of what's most important and supportive and what in reality happens are two different things. Surprise, surprise, right? Second thing is that while they value both online and in-person friends, adolescents feel safer online. They also say that their online friends are their biggest supporters. Now, This may not apply to you, but I know it applies to a lot of us. This is particularly true for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, gender fluid youth. In contrast to this perception among adolescents, however, is the evidence that peer and sexual victimization of adolescents, and in particular, the LGBTQ plus population, is unacceptably high. You know, the internet is not necessarily more dangerous than in-person situations, but many young people and adolescents think it is safer. And how that impacts them is that as a result, they may rely on the internet and their social contacts online more heavily than on their parents and friends and the other responsible uh, adults in their lives. Researchers suggest that because these young people trust the internet so much, it may provide them with important factors related to victimization. For example, we might be able to use it for our benefit and for the benefit of these young people. It could be a really effective way of providing young people with coping skills. Uh, Could be a really powerful way of providing them with an avenue for catharsis, some place where they can dump and unload and let things go. Or it even could give them access to information about how to talk about situations that arise in concrete ways that help them deal with the problems they're facing. The truth is, having friends that you spend time with in person is the strongest support for adolescents facing bullying, sexual victimization, and other assaults. This is a fact. However, that online world is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more integrated into every waking moment of every young person's life. 
And having online social support is valuable and, in fact, virtually indispensable for young people in today's world. So realizing how important these relationships online are to the adolescents in our life can inform us in our communication with them. We need to remember these are key relationships to them in their lives. And we want to keep in mind always that they think they are safer online and that they are convinced of that is an important thing for parenting adolescents today. If we want to make the kind of impact that we are committed to and empowering them to create safe environments to grow and nurture inside of, then we've got to use what matters to them to help us educate and raise them. It's just the smart thing to do. So whether or not we can see, agree, and support the fact that our young people need other young people in their lives, friends, social friends, friends at school and friends in activities, we have also got to be aware of the pervasive nature of the internet in our children's lives. And when we're aware of that, it requires us to do more to help them realize the risks of online communication, as well as to be a lot more savvy in our use of the benefits of internet access. This responsibility is much greater if we're living with or working with LGBTQ plus youth. This group is often faced with challenges we can't even imagine. Constantly reminding them that you love and care for them and that they are not alone in whatever they're facing can help them understand that you, liable support network, when others are on the attack. Finding resources for them online can also show them that you want them to grow up healthy and happy and to have the support they need. You know, I found um, an interesting conversation on an old episode on YouTube of the Tamron Hall Show. I have a gender-fluid young person in my life And one of the things that Tamron was doing was having a conversation with non-binary adults and children and looking at how families deal with it, how young people deal with it, um, how the struggle to deal with it and to confront the gender fluidity in their lives is um, being perceived by society and how most or many, not most necessarily most, but many in society are making them wrong for the way they feel, for how their bodies work, um, for their comfort levels in their own skin. Sort of like making somebody wrong for having brown eyes, you know? But nevertheless, um, it's a scary environment. 
And when I found this episode of the Tamron Hall Show, I sent a link to the young person in my life that um, identified as non-binary and now introduces themselves as gender fluid. And, and I sent the link to parents and other adults in their life. It wasn't an answer to anything, but it was a conversation for getting in their world and discovering what it looks like for them. And Tamron was great because she didn't have any preconceived notions and she was really clear she didn't understand. So see, I found that online resource for them and I gave it to them. And within, I'm going to say a couple of weeks, they sent me a couple of other short clips about situations and circumstances that I might find myself in that would assist me in answering questions or responding to questions like <clears throat> when people ask me about this particular person and then say, is it a boy or a girl? Well, that's not a yes or no answer. That's not a one or the other answer for my uh, this person in my life. So finding these resources can also assist them in knowing that you want resources for yourself so that you can grow and develop and support what they're dealing with. In today's high-tech world, the responsibility of parenting and of caring for and supporting all our adolescents is a lot more complicated. And finding ways to allow them to develop as individuals and at the same time, protecting them from harms, you can see that they can't is a lot more difficult than it was even 30 years ago. Although I'm not particularly here to give you advice, there is one piece of advice I can give you about this. Take time to talk to and listen to your children. Let them know what's going on with you. And let them tell you what's going on with them. Let them tell you what they need. Let them tell you how they're being challenged. Let them share with you and really hear them when they talk about what matters to them, what they value. You know, there's an old saying, listen and learn. This is our opportunity. And it's a real, real opportunity for adults in the lives of the young people that we encounter and come in contact with to support and raise strong, responsible, caring adults and at the same time protect them from both peer and sexual victimization. As always, our goal here is to create an environment where ch children and young people are not subject to the sexual whims of the adults who say they care about them and keeping them safe from predators. Until next time, when we are actually going to talk about how you might know by seeing or hearing what they have to say that an online person who's communicating with your child is actually a predator. I look forward to next time. In the meantime, this is Sharon Doty reminding you we are here.
to empower you to keep them safe.